Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about whether reading computer code is the same to your brain as reading another language and a personality trait that could be the key to lasting romance. Then play along at home as we test your podcast knowledge in this month's edition of Curiosity Challenge Trivia. Let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity. Computers and programs need instructions to do what they do, and those instructions are written in what we call programming languages. They each have their own grammar and syntax like spoken languages do. But new research says that to your brain, learning to code is very different from learning to read and write. And let's face it, computer programming is so hot right now. The emphasis on STEM in schools has led many to include coding as a regular part of the curriculum. We know a lot about the brain processes involved in learning math, music, and reading. But despite the fact that many kids grow up with technology all around them, we don't know much about how the brain learns to code. Is it more like learning a language or more like solving a math problem? No one's quite sure. So recently, MIT neuroscientists recruited 40 young adults to undergo brain scans while looking at snippets of code. The study focused on Python and Scratch Jr., a programming language designed for kids five and up. The participants were well-versed in each of these languages since they had all started coding as teens. As they lay in an MRI machine, scientists showed them pieces of code and asked them to predict what action that code would produce. The team saw no activity in the regions of the brain associated with language. Weird, right? Instead, something called the multiple demand network lit up. This system typically goes to work when you have to hold on to several pieces of information at once. Usually, math and logic problems require the parts of this network that are in the brain's left hemisphere, while spatial navigation requires the parts in the right hemisphere. But reading code activated the multiple demand network on both sides of the brain. That suggests that coding isn't exactly like a math problem either. It's its own thing. The researchers say it's possible that language systems are involved when first learning programming skills and then fall by the wayside once you've mastered the language. That might be especially true in children whose language systems are still developing. But for now, neither the math nor the language camp can fully claim coding as their own. Just in time for Valentine's Day, researchers have found a personality trait that could be key to a successful relationship. And it's probably not the one you'd expect. So no, it's not the ability to solve a Rubik's Cube in 14 seconds. Although that's pretty impressive. That's, it's, my, my fiance can literally do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, might be, I might be the wrong audience for this. <laughs> okay then, all right. Well, the trait that researchers are talking about is humility. It turns out a good dose of humility is good for relationships. And that may be because the humbler you are, the more likely your partner is to forgive you when you do something wrong. Humility can sometimes be confused with low self-esteem or low confidence, but that's not quite right. Being humble just means you have the ability to accurately assess your weaknesses, but without denying your skills and strengths. Like I'm not great at learning new languages, but I'm great at video games. Past research has found that romantic partners rate humility as an important trait and that humble people are more likely to initiate romantic relationships. So in 2019, a team from the University of Michigan dug a little deeper 
to explore the link between humility and forgiveness in romantic relationships. They asked 284 couples about how humble they were, how humble they thought their partner was, and if they were likely to forgive their partner if they did something that was hurtful, like insulting them. They found that people who felt their partner was humble were more likely to forgive them following a hurtful situation. But if they thought their partner was arrogant and less likely to admit to any personal failings, they were less likely to forgive them. Interestingly, the team found that the strength of a person's social network can play a role too. If someone has a lot of close, supportive friends and a humble partner, they'll be even more likely to forgive that partner after they've screwed up. But if your partner is arrogant, it doesn't matter how many great friends you've got, you're still less likely to forgive them. So why is the ability to forgive so important? Well, it's because like it or not, pain is an inevitable part of any relationship. I mean, mistakes happen. If you can find someone who recognizes that, your relationship may be stronger as a result. It's time once again for the Curiosity Challenge. Every month, I call up a listener and I put them to the test by asking three questions from stories we ran on Curiosity Daily in the previous month. For this Curiosity Challenge, I talked to Brian Dunning, host of Skeptoid, a podcast that investigates myths and urban legends. I'm a big fan. Let's find out how Brian did. How long have you been listening to the show? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. How long has it been around? Three years? Four years? Five years? <laughs> yeah, around, around like <laughs> two or three years, I'd say. Okay. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Well, cool. Let's get started. I'm, I'm excited. Right. Okay. I'm pumped. I will start with question number one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. So it turns out that humans have been performing this complicated medical procedure for thousands of years. Is it A, brain surgery, B, open heart surgery, or C, LASIK? Uh, I would not be likely to trust the Cro-Magnon guy with, with a LASIK procedure. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, with the brain surgery. I believe we're talking about the trepanning, right? That's right. Yeah, trepanning. Putting hey. a, basically a hole in your skull to let out the pressure. Because why not try that? See what happens. <laughs> why not? Well, the cool thing is that apparently they were some of the older cultures were more successful than, say, Civil War doctors, which is cool. Like they more people lived. Incredible. All right. Number two. Scientists recently discovered how remoras or suckerfish manage to hang on to blue whales at speeds that should rip them right off. How do they do it? So A, they hang out behind the whale's fins or blowhole where the drag is lower. B, the channel of water closest to the whale is a low pressure zone, so it sucks them in. Or C, both A and B. I didn't hear this episode, so I'm going to have to rely on general knowledge, which which is sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing. I, I, I do think both of those would work. Uh, we're talking about boundary layer turbulence, I would think, for the uh, high pressure and low pressure. I'm going to go with, with C, both of the above. That's right. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> nice work. <laughs> you got two for two. This is good. Yay. All right. Number three. Researchers recently determined that the brain is most adaptable when it comes to this part of learning a second language. So A, it's most adaptable when understanding the language, B, speaking the language, or C, writing the language. 
Wow. Most adaptable. Can we define what most adaptable means? Yeah. So usually language is kept to one side of the brain. Okay. But when it's doing this particular action, it actually can recruit other parts of the brain in some people. Okay. Okay. Understanding, speaking, and writing. I'm, I'm going to take a stab and say the writing. That is incorrect. Eh, it is okay. Un- <laughs> understanding. <laughs> Well, you got two out of three. That was that was great. That's 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 better than they usually do on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So I'm happy with that. That's right. Perfect. All right. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. Two out of three is not bad at all. How did you do? If you'd like to play next month or if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us an email at curiosity at discovery dot com or leave us a voicemail at three one two five nine six five two zero eight. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about how simple word swaps can secretly trick your brain, a hidden letter in the alphabet that you already sing, why the dark ages weren't all that dark, how dolphins can consciously decrease their heart rates, why just because you want something, like coffee, doesn't mean you like it, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that reading a programming language is not like reading a language language. The programming language lights up your brain's multiple demands network. And that kicks in when you have to think about lots of bits of information all at once. But it's also not exactly like, say, math, because math only lights up that network on one side of the brain. Reading computer code lights up that network on both sides. It's its own thing. Congratulations, computer programmers. You're your own thing. In like a good way. Like that's our compliment. That like good on you. It's good stuff. Not like my my wife has spoken several languages fluently at different parts of her life. And earlier in the pandemic, she was like, Oh, maybe I'll learn to code, right? Like how different is computer code language from other languages? And it ended up not being for her, but she did say, she's like, Yeah, it's kind of a different kind of a different thing. So if, if you know many languages and you are bilingual or multilingual and you've tried coding and it wasn't for you, I hope this story helped validate that decision a little bit. Nice. Do you know how to code at all? No. Well, I learned a little bit of HTML back in like middle school because I taught myself because I wanted to build a website mostly to troll my friends. <laughs> I, uh, I was totally fluent in HTML and some CSS from age 12 all the way through college. But the problem is that through college, people stopped using HTML as much. And then I stopped being that into it. But I made tons of websites. I had a blog for like every year of my life from junior high and high school. Wow. I really liked it. But no, no, no. Hold on. You didn't because back when we were in high school, blog wasn't a word yet. Right. Sure. I had a website where I would write my thoughts. Right. (laughs) And I did too. And then someone had to come along and invent the word blog. It's not a pretty word. I've had one. Many people have had one. I'm not knocking bloggers. But like aesthetically, like edit, like it's weblog, it's short for weblog. I know it's fine. <laughs> well, we also learned that humility could be the key to lasting romance, which is a good thing because I am the most humble person in the entire world. So my relationships are rock solid. Just kidding. <laughs> if you're not a if you're not a forgiving person, the reason that humility is is good for relationships is because. When you understand that you make mistakes, you understand that people make mistakes. And so if your partner makes a mistake, you're more likely to forgive them. And forgiveness is a really important quality, too. 
And with that, happy Valentine's Day slash Singles Awareness Day this weekend. Enjoy. Eat some chocolate. I don't think either of us are big on that holiday. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm not. No, I'm I'm not. Not that much. I do like the uh, chocolate on February 15th, though. Half on price. sale? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're so lame. <laughs> chocolate on sale the day after Valentine's Day. Let's go, dude. Yeah. It's the best. I mean, it is true, though. Today's stories were written by Steffi Drucker and Sony Hodgen and edited by Ashley Hammer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. Join us again Monday, a.k.a. Chocolate on Sale Day, to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.